support from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Polar Punch, good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast of Frigid Friday for sure with sub-zero wind chill. What we're likely to encounter is going to be really unprecedented. Meteorologist Kevin Williams says today could be the coldest day of winter. Well, the next 24 hours, frankly, are going to be brutal around these parts. Bitter, barbaric cold, dangerous wind chills, and some lake flakes as well. But the cold blast won't last. It'll pass, and temperatures rebound later in the weekend. All right, Kevin, we'll check back with you in a few. In the meantime, warming shelters are open for business tonight in Buffalo. If you're staying outside, this is life or death. Family Life's D. Haley. A wind chill advisory went into effect at 4 o'clock this morning and remains in effect until 10 o'clock tomorrow morning for all of western New York. Temperatures in the single digits combined with wind could lead to wind chill values as low as minus 20 degrees. According to the National Weather Service, frostbite can occur to exposed skin in as little as 30 minutes during the advisory period. Several schools, including Buffalo Public Schools, are closed today because of the dangerously cold weather. Dee Haley, Family Life News. All right, Dee, thank you very much. Frostbite and frozen pipes, real concerns today. Jeff Preval with WIVB continues our coverage. Even though there will not be a whole lot of snow in Anticipated drivers are still being told to take it easy out there because salt won't work in these extremely cold temperatures. Also, a good way to make sure that your pipes don't freeze is by running a small stream of water from your faucet. People are also encouraged to be safe with the use of candles and space heaters and to not use appliances such as stoves to heat your home. The wind chill warnings expire at noon tomorrow. The January jobs report went public today and it was stunningly strong. Wrong. President Biden says it's proof his policies are working. For the past two years, we've heard a chorus of critics write off my economic plan. Well, today's data makes crystal clear what I've always known in my gut. These critics and cynics are wrong. Employers added 517,000 jobs to their payrolls last month. They were only expecting about 185,000. Business analyst Jill Schlesinger. The January jobs report underscores the message that Jerome Powell gave during his press conference this week. Although economic growth is weakening, the labor market remains resilient, which means the Fed is likely to continue raising interest the rates. Economist Steve Moore says the only blip on the jobs report was wages, but that's a minor blip. Wages are still behind, lagging behind inflation, so paychecks are still shrinking. But my goodness, nobody expected a number this strong and love to see it. The overall unemployment rate ticked lower to 3.4% in January. High in the sky and big sky country. What the heck is that? A silvery orb found hovering above Montana this week. The United States government has detected and is tracking a high-altitude surveillance balloon. The Chinese spy balloon about the size of three school buses. It's 60,000 feet in the air. That's twice as high as most commercial aircraft. Pentagon correspondent David Martin. President Biden initially wanted to shoot the spy balloon down. Jet fighters were scrambled to Billings, Montana to be in position if the president gave the order. An official added the Chinese aren't likely to see anything with the balloon they can't already see with their satellites. 
Spy balloon forced Secretary of State Blinken to postpone next week's trip to China. Florida Congressman Michael Waltz says the White House needs to get tough with Beijing. This is part of the lack of pushback, the total lack of pushback, whether it's the assault on Taiwan, whether it's buzzing our planes, now they're overflying our nuclear sites and they keep getting away with it because we let them. There's no consequences. Montana's home, by the way, to three U.S. Air Force bases with intercontinental ballistic missiles. Why couldn't they have caught this? Because this is a national security blunder. Former FBI agent Jonathan Gillum. We can see the dimples on golf balls from satellites. We can track meteorites moving at 50,000 miles per hour, but we don't have the ability to see a balloon that's moving slower than an airplane. The balloon flew from Alaska's Aleutian Islands through Canada and into Montana. The Pentagon opted against shooting it down, citing potential civilian casualties on the ground. China calls it a civilian research airship that blew off course. Democrats are up in arms on Capitol Hill over the decision to remove Minnesota Congresswoman Ilhan Omar from a key committee. Here's Michigan Democrat Rashida Tlaib. I Gentlemen, so time has expired. that our country is failing you today through this chamber. You the the gentlewoman is no longer recognized. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy defending the vote that gave Omar the boot from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. We're not removing her from other committees. We just do not believe when it comes to foreign affairs, especially the responsibility of that position around the world with the comments that you make. She shouldn't serve there. Omar was voted off the Foreign Affairs Committee for making anti-Semitic remarks. Now to Sayerville, New Jersey, where a bizarre murder case has shocked a local community. A 30-year-old city councilwoman, pastor, and immigrant from Ghana found murdered in her car outside her home. There was two sets of four shots, like pop, pop, pop. Pop, pop, pop. The victim, Eunice Dumfort, was a mother, elected leader, first responder, and Christian activist in her community. Cops say she was targeted. For somebody to get so close to somebody and shoot them so many times, it has to be personal. Bob Hugan is the chairman of the Republican Party of New Jersey. She was such a bright light and such an opportunity to do so much more for her community and our state. And and to have this taken away from her and from all of us is just is just horrific. The 30-year-old victim was elected two years ago and was working with the local police chief to reduce crime in Sayreville when she was gunned down on Wednesday. A health facility in Iowa has been fined $10,000 for declaring a woman dead when she was not. Jim Crisula has that report. An unidentified woman pronounced dead by a nurse at the Glen Oaks Alzheimer's Special Care Center in the Des Moines, Iowa suburb of Urbandale was discovered breathing inside a body bag after taken to a funeral home. Just so you know, this female was transported there deceased and she is not. They are in the chapel and she is on a cot. That 911 operator alerted paramedics who went to the funeral home. The woman was returned to hospice care where she wound up dying two days later. President Biden and Vice President Harris both in Philadelphia today. They're announcing a new federal funding program to upgrade the city's water system. Both Biden and Harris are visiting a water treatment plant where they'll announce a half billion dollar measure to remove and replace lead pipes in Philly. And Walmart is making breaking up a little more bearable this Valentine's Day. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye.
the retail giant is selling a plush bear with a pretty clear message. It sings and dances to NSYNC's Bye 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 while holding a broken heart and wearing a shirt that reads Bye Bye. The caption of a tweet advertising the relationship ending stuffed animal says it's cuter than a breakup text. The breakup bear is available on Walmart's website for about 17 bucks. I'm Trey Thomas. All right, Trey, thank you. Still to come on the Noon Report, Johnson City Police Protest. Back to work in Harrisburg and pot sales blocked in New York. But first, let's check in again with Kevin Williams. Brutally cold air has invaded the entire region and the excruciating chill will be with us through tonight, but relent quickly as we head through the weekend. Forecast details are coming up in 10 minutes. All right, Kevin, thank you. That dangerous cold prompting heightened concern for the homeless. A code blue alert in effect tonight. Tracy Cooper runs a homeless shelter in Rochester. We house people like the homeless, whoever needs somewhere to stay and somewhere to eat. Make sure they're safe because it get cold here. It gets really cold. Homeless activist Alan Griffiths converted a greenhouse in the Flower City into an emergency shelter. There's a big difference from living outside in the cold and um, having to live in tents or under bridges or in the door stoops of some buildings. So we're trying to house as many people as we can. Other homeless agencies are using old ambulances and abandoned RVs to shelter people from the cold in Rochester tonight. Two Rochester colleges, RIT and St. John Fisher are lifting their COVID vaccine requirements. All students and staff at those schools no longer required to get the jab to be on campus. That mandate been in place since the summer of 2021. It's back to the office for 2,300 state workers in Pennsylvania. The state employees will be required to commute to and from work at least three days a week starting March 6th. Governor Josh Shapiro says he understands the pros and cons of remote and in-person work, but also thinks that the influx of workers in Harrisburg will be good for local businesses. A large portion of the state employee workforce has been working hybrid since the COVID-19 pandemic. Brandon Dixon, Family Life News. Thank you, Brandon. Johnson City, New York police arrested 15 people at a protest outside of Wegmans Wednesday night. The demonstrators were railing against police brutality, but police say they were blocking the entrance to the store and became violent. Several were injured, including at least one officer. Wegmans had to close the store early due to that incident. The former mayor of Binghamton, Matt Ryan, among those taken away in handcuffs. A state assemblyman from New York's Southern Tier says there's a lot not to like about Governor Hochul's $227 billion budget proposal. The governor says she wants uh, New York to be a safer, more affordable, more livable New York, but uh, her budget presentation is far from it. Republican Phil Palmasano of Corning tells Family Life News the spending plan is chock full of reckless and wasteful spending. Our budget is bigger than Texas and Florida and they're bigger states with more population. I mean, we're not far behind California, which has a lot more people than us. Palmasano believes the Hochul budget will make it harder on small businesses and New York families to earn a living. These types of policies will continue to lead to that exodus of more New York families, farmers, small businesses, and manufacturers leaving our state. And that can't happen. That's what I'm very concerned about. The Assemblyman says New Yorkers should be outraged over a state land grab that forces towns and villages to sell property 
to the state for the purpose of constructing housing complexes. The Erie, Pennsylvania School District is installing metal detectors at its 10 elementary schools. Ten months ago, it did the same thing at its high school and all middle schools. It's in response to a shooting last spring at Erie High. The superintendent says juvenile violence is a big problem in the Gem City. More school buses in Pennsylvania are now armed with automated video cameras. Family Life's Terry Diener. Bus Patrol, a Virginia-based safety tech company that supplies the camera systems to almost all the Pennsylvania districts that use them, said it has equipped 1,000 yellow buses in Pennsylvania with the cameras that captured just under 8,000 violations from late August through November. At least 21 Pennsylvania school districts began using the technology at the beginning of this school year. Terry Diener, Family Life News. All right, Terry, thank you. There are nearly 3,500 dairy farms in New York, and one farmer in Chemung County says something needs to be done about the way the government sets milk prices. Mark Watts runs a dairy farm in Pine City. With the cost of fertilizer and diesel fuel and stuff, the cost of doing business with the dairy has went up. But the price farmers receive for the milk they produce is not keeping pace with those overhead expenses. Watts says an outdated milk pricing system is forcing many in the dairy industry to sell their farms. A federal judge has just blocked the sale of marijuana in five regions of New York. U.S. District Judge Gary Sharp upheld his injunction earlier this week that prevents the state from issuing dispensary licenses in Brooklyn, the Mid-Hudson, Finger Lakes, Western New York, and Central New York regions. Sharp had issued the injunction in November after a Michigan-based company challenged the state's rule to give preference for dispensary licenses to people previously convicted of a cannabis crime in New York. His decision affected more than 60 of the 150 licenses the state planned to issue. Paul DeCastro, New York. Your Friday Midday Sports is next right here on the Family Life Noon Report. afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, it was a squeaker, but the Knicks will take it. New York snapped its two-game losing streak with a 106-104 victory over the visiting Miami Heat. The usual suspects led New York as R.J. Barrett scored 30 points and Julius Randle had 23, also grabbed 10 rebounds. Speaking of squeakers, the Lakers had one of their own, winning 112-111 over Indiana, and the Bucks were one-point winners, too, beating the Clippers 106-105. Elsewhere, it was Cleveland over Memphis 128-113, the Bulls down the Hornets 114-98, Dallas got past New Orleans 111-106, and Denver beat Golden State 134-117. In football news, you kind of had to know this was coming. Robert Kraft, owner of the New England Patriots, said yesterday that they would do everything in our power to bring him back, have him sign off as a Patriot. Kraft, of course, speaking of Tom Brady, and you probably figured out that's who the him was. The Pats want Brady to sign a one-day contract so he can retire as a New England Patriot. After 20 seasons and six Super Bowl trophies, yeah, that's going to happen. 
The green flag will fly again as the NASCAR Cup Series returns to action this weekend for its 75th season. The Clash at the Coliseum will run on Sunday night in Los Angeles. Joey Logano, last year's Cup Series champ, looks to defend his title if he is successful. He'll be the first to do it since Jimmy Johnson did back in 2010. That is a look at sports. All right, Randy, man, thank you kindly. Still to come on the Noon Report, SUNY's race equity course. Why paying school boards is a bad idea, and we'll have more on New York's land grab. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Forty years ago, Monty Python's Life of Brian mocked a male character that wanted to become a woman and have babies. You haven't got a womb stand, John Cleese's character reminds him. Where's the fetus going to gestate? You're going to keep it in a box? Well, for the most part, men who identify as women and vice versa accept that no amount of cross-dressing hormones or surgery really can allow them to play the opposite sex's role when it comes to reproduction. As Cleese rightly observed, men can't have babies because they haven't got wombs. But what if they did? What if medical science did enable womb transplants, giving men the ability to carry and bear children within their bodies? Would that then make them women? In her book, The Genesis of Gender, Abigail Favalli tells the story of the first real-life attempt at a womb transplant, which took place in Germany back in 1931. Danish artist Einar Wagner, who went by the name Lily, was obsessed with becoming a so-called complete woman. And for him, that meant the ability to carry and bear children. Wagner turned to Magnus Hirschfeld, a German physician who invented the term transsexual. In four grisly surgeries, Hirschfeld removed Wagner's genitalia and transplanted a cadaver uterus into his body. Predictably, Wagner's body rejected the organ and he died shortly thereafter. Back in the 1930s, the technology to do successful womb transplants simply didn't exist. But what about today? Well, in a recent talk, Allison Simpson of the University of Pennsylvania Medical Center Children's Hospital described the possibility and what she called the mandate of uterine transplants, this time from live donors. Citing a number of studies, Simpson, who is a man that identifies as a woman, concluded that most men who identify as women would be interested in a uterine transplant. And a potential source, Simpson said, are women who don't want their parts anymore because they hope to be men. If science could actually graft the reproductive system of a female into a male body and it could function with drugs and hormones, would that make him a woman, a mother? Of course not, Favali explains, because a woman cannot be reduced to a function any more than she can be reduced to a set of clothes, chosen pronouns, certain roles, or cultural stereotypes. Women are not defined only by the ability to have children. Many women, after all, can't have children. And most women live long enough to lose that ability. But women don't stop being women at menopause. As Favali aptly describes, a woman is a person whose whole body plan is built around this potential to bear children, regardless of whether or not these things have actually happened for her or ever will. No amount of medical mangling or foreign organs can change a man's body into a woman's, even if it allows him to gestate, because his body plan remains male in every cell, every chromosome, every organ, and every bone. A transplanted uterus no more makes him a complete woman than sewing on gills would make him a fish. Sex is a given, non-negotiable reality. Sex bodies are something that humans receive, something they are, something they can never change. And to try in the face of these overwhelming realities is to commit an act of self-destruction and reality denial. 
to convince someone that what's not possible is possible is to harm, not to heal. It's an illusion that combines postmodern conceit with Gnostic ambition. Men having babies is no longer a laughing matter, if it ever should have been. But the idea that a womb transplant can make a man into a woman is as absurd as it was before medical technology gave us the power to try. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. This Breakpoint was co-authored by Shane Morris. For more resources to live like a Christian in this cultural moment, go to colsoncenter.org. Kevin Williams has your frigid Friday forecast next. Here is your family life weather forecast. Our entire region is now under pure, unadulterated Arctic air for this afternoon. Bitterly cold, variable cloudiness, flurries local lakes dump. Couple inches in spots southeast of some of the lakes. Temperatures mostly single digits, low teens, wind chills to minus 20. Temperatures drop tonight below zero away from the cities and lakes. Patches of lake snow otherwise partly cloudy tomorrow. Not as harsh, variable clouds and flurries, the high mid-teens to mid-20s. We're flirting with 40 with some sun on Sunday. Oh, wow. Talk about a heat wave. Thank you, Kevin. It's Friday, the 3rd of February, and this is the Noon Report. And welcome back to another edition of Capital Connection. Fridays during the Noon Report, we give you direct connection to what's happening in Albany and Harrisburg with the experts on the issues. At the state capitals, they are, as always, Jason McGuire at New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms and Michael Gear at the Pennsylvania Family Institute. Well, gentlemen, another busy week at the capitals, but before we get to that, Michael, I want to start with you, get your reaction to that uh, not guilty verdict at the Mark Houck trial in Philadelphia. By now, a lot of you have heard his name, the pro-life activist who had a couple dozen armed FBI agents show up at his front door last fall. Michael, what's the message this acquittal sends? Well, hopefully it will send a strong message to the Biden administration and the Merrick Garland Department of Justice that they need to stop targeting pro-life citizens across America. This Mark Held verdict was a wonderful vindication, number one, of his constitutional right to do pro-life activism, but it also was a vindication of those who said this was a weaponization of federal law to go after pro-lifers. Yeah, uh, a lot of folks saying the real story here wasn't the acquittal, it was the fact that this thing even went to trial, cost about a half million dollars in taxpayer money. The local prosecutors threw it out, but yet the Justice Department went for with this. Again, when we think about the atrocious crime rate and the murders and drive-by shootings and violence that's happening in the city of Philadelphia, the fact that the federal government chose this little incident that happened in front of the Planned Parenthood Clinic to spend all this money and to take all of this effort, including that over-the-top arrest in front of Mark's family, mm. uh, just shows, again, the weaponization of the Biden administration to go after the pro-life movement and try to silence people. But we will not be silenced. Yeah. Big week in Albany this week, Jason. Governor Hochul taking the wraps off a more than $200 billion budget. That's right, billion with a B. What's most concerning in this spending plan to you other than the uh, price tag? Well, you know, a number of things we're watching. One, I think we will again see the expansion of abortion services come out of this budget. Uh, you're going to see more taxpayer funding of abortion, more out-of-state abortions being funded. So there's obvious concern there. But a little known but broader issue, the with 
really the state takeover of local land control. There is this plan to force local municipalities to add one to three percent of new housing in each of those localities. And if the locals do not want that, the state is now taking the authority to override uh, local land control policies. That's really problematic with Albany pushing itself into our small towns. Yeah, and that's all part of this 800,000 new homes by the end of the decade, correct? It is. And again, uh, we're going to probably see this be more uh, developments and apartment-type buildings rather than single-family homes, which just doesn't fit uh, much of what it looks like across the state. Yeah. Uh, Mark Rossi is a name that's well-known in Harrisburg these days, Michael. The House Speaker is vowing to stay on as Speaker, even after those three special elections next week where uh, the Democrats could take control of that chamber. How much is the dysfunction in the House right now his fault? Well, a good portion of it. He kind of diverted from his own caucus to take this role as speaker in a backroom deal that was made with some Republicans. He vowed to become an independent, and then shortly after he was elected speaker, then he reneged on that vow and reneged on a number of promises that he made to get that post. Now he's saying that he wants to stay as speaker, even as the Democrats are likely to take the majority with the special elections. But it remains to be seen whether their caucus can get behind him, whether they'll go with Joanna McClellan. Clinton, the leader right now, and who we thought would become speaker when the Democrats take majority, or maybe the Republicans insiders maybe think they have something up their sleeves to try to find somebody else who can uh, be a more friendly speaker to the Republican views. Last we checked, the doors of the House were still locked, right? Nobody yeah, allowed yeah, in? Yeah, that's, that's right. Not till uh, February 27th, I think, is the date that he said that they're going to start doing the people's business. It's been an amazing spectacle and one that I think uh, Pennsylvanians should be troubled by, and the legislature should be embarrassed by. Yeah. Well, this story broke this week as well, Jason. SUNY system, all 64 campuses now required uh, to teach a class on racial equity. Freshman students must take it and must pass it before they can graduate. John King, the new chancellor, is all for this. Uh, many are calling this nothing more than critical race theory. What's your reaction? Yeah, you know, we're concerned about it. Again, this is a mandated class that every student is going to have to take. Uh, it is hard to see it as anything else other than some form of indoctrination or propaganda when it is the, the state university of New York forcing this type of a woke agenda on every single student coming through their system. Uh, and this is um, using other names, but it's basically the same thing that critical race theory, isn't it? Yeah, you know, we, we hear this uh, phrase of, you know, DEI and other things, and, and we're often told, well, that only occurs at the college level. Well, we're talking about the college level here. This really is that critical race theory that's, that's having an impact. It's important to remember when you look at these types of issues, we're not talking about simply having tolerance for one another. It is now a matter of forcing this agenda onto a future generation of students that are now coming into the world. All right, we'll see how that sells on a lot of SUNY campuses, I'm sure, some of those administrators aren't going to like that, but here it is nonetheless. Michael, uh, State Senator Doug Mastriano says drag shows should be out of the view of children. Uh, he wants them zoned as adult establishments. Is there much appetite in Harrisburg for this legislation? Well, that remains to be seen, but I think there's a lot of appetite for this legislation across the state because parents and adults generally seeing what the kids are being exposed to with these drag queen story hours, with the schools that are bring, bringing in these uh, performers to do sexually explicit 
dances and other performances in front of children is something that Pennsylvanians don't, I think, generally accept or think is, is wise or helpful. So Senator Mastriano's legislation is very timely given what's been happening in Pennsylvania, but whether or not there's going to be movement on that legislation remains to be seen, especially with the deadlocked legislature and the locked House of Representatives. Yeah, I had to do a double take on this one, Jason. A 743% increase in illegal border crossings from Canada since just October. Uh, New York State borders Canada, last I checked. So this, is, I think, is a big story in New York. Any idea who these people are or why they are allowed to cross over like that with impunity? You know, Bob, I, don't, I can't tell exactly who these people are, but we are concerned. You know, we're seeing soft border in the south, and now we're seeing this uh, border that just looks like Swiss cheese at the northern border as well. Uh, it is a concern because it is, deals with the sovereignty of a nation. If a nation cannot secure its borders, can it really have secure lands? Yeah, good point. Uh, Michael, State Rep. Joe Webster, Democrat, says, hey, we want better schools. We need good school boards, and maybe we should start paying our school board members. What are your thoughts on that? Well, my first thought when I saw this proposal was there are some school board members who I'd love to pay, and there are others that I'd like to tax. Yeah. <laughs> but, but in reality, uh, you know, I think the Pennsylvania General Assembly went to a full-time legislature back in the late 70s with the idea that a professional legislature would be something beneficial and provide better service. That has not proven to be true. And I think the notion of professionalizing school board members uh, is not a good idea either. Quite frankly, the, the whole notion of what school boards are supposed to be is to take a cross-section of the community, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, doctors, others, other members of the community who come in as volunteers to really be a voice for the people in that community to help the schools do the right thing for kids and families. Yeah, there's something to be said about saving that whole idea of volunteer service, isn't there? Uh, yeah, there absolutely and, is. and then finally, Jason, I know you're excited about this. It has been a long time. The first in-person legislative day is going to be happening this year, a little later than in years past, but nonetheless, it is back Tuesday, May 23rd. Tell us what that day is all about. Yeah, Bob, we're looking at moving Legislative Day from what has been March to May 23rd this year. It's the first time since 2019 we've been able to have the event, and I'm expecting 1,500 Christians from across the state to come out. One thing that people have told us over the last three years that they miss is it is the one day a year where they feel like they are not alone in New York. Yeah. They see like-minded individuals who share their values. So I encourage folks to uh, save the date for May 23rd, uh, this conference in Albany, New York. All right, will that be in the same place as the, the previous conferences have been? Same location. All right. And if folks want to register for that, I don't know if that window's open yet, but where can folks go online, Jason, and find out more? Yeah, the window's not open yet. We'll put it mid-February, but it'll be at newyorkfamilies.org. And stay informed on all the issues you've heard today from Pennsylvania. Michael, you have a wonderful website, too. What is that? pafamily.org. All right, guys, thank you very much. Capital Connection, the name of the program, airs Fridays during the Noon Report or online anytime at FamilyLife.org. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. Our entire region is now under pure, unadulterated Arctic air. 
dangerous cold and wind chills expected through tonight. Now, some of us will be getting some lake snow, already have areas southeast of Lake Syria and Ontario, as well as southeast of the lengthier Finger Lakes, including Cayuga and Skinnealis, will pick up some lake flakes as well. By the end of the weekend, those temperatures will have soared. For this afternoon, bitterly cold, variable cloudiness, flurries local lake snow, couple inches in spots southeast of some of the lakes. Temperatures mostly single digits, low teens, wind chills to minus 20. Temperatures drop tonight below zero away from the cities and lakes. Patches of lake snow otherwise partly cloudy tomorrow. Not as harsh, variable clouds and flurries, the high mid-teens and mid-twenties. We're flirting with 40 with some sun on Sunday. All right, Kevin, thank you kindly. Finally at noon for a Friday, while delivered to packages sometimes show up late. This delivery driver showed up right on time. 76-year-old Marion Rott said she was taking trash to a burn barrel in the backyard of her Wisconsin home when she lost her balance and fell into a creek that crosses her property. Though able to crawl out, Rott said she ended up stuck and soaked with snow and ice for 45 minutes. UPS driver Patrick Shore was delivering a package in the area when he heard Rot's cries for help. He rushed over and rescued Rot, getting her inside and warm as they waited for first responders to arrive. I could see the look in her eyes, and man, she needed. She was in the desperate mode. She really needed some help. Fortunately, I was there to give that. Right time, right place. Rot said she's gaining strength back and plans to stay in touch with Shore, who stopped by to check in on her after the incident. I guess you could say that Shore delivered a lot more than packages that day. He truly delivered a miracle. Brian Query, Family Life News. Right place, right time for sure. Thank you, Brian. And that's the world we live in Friday, the 3rd of February. If you're out and about, be safe out there. Make sure you bundle up. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.